Indiana Governor Mike Pence had at least two big commitments on his calendar this week, his annual State of the State address to a joint session of the General Assembly, and his annual sit-down with us. Hi, I'm John Chuanis, and on this edition of Indiana Lawmakers, we'll take an in-depth look at Tuesday night's speech with the man who delivered it. Stay with us as we go one-on-one -on -one with first-term Republican governor and potential 2016 presidential candidate Mike Pence. Indiana Lawmakers, from the State House to your house. What if a robotic arm could help disabled students reach for their dreams? It does. Introducing RoboDesk. To learn more about this and more than 400 other world-changing Purdue technologies, visit otc-prf.org. Governor Mike Pence touched on a wide range of topics during his 30-minute State of the State address this week. Everything from school choice, highway construction, and the state budget to job growth, the Affordable Care Act, and what he described as the war on coal. He even squeezed in a shout-out to the Indianapolis Colts. Joining me to sort it all out is Governor Mike Pence, wearing your blue, I see. So. <laughs> you better believe it. Thank it's Believe in Blue Weekend. Well, thank you for being here. You know, I get the sense that if your administration had a dollar for every time a journalist asked you if you were running for president <laughs> next year, the state surplus would be not $2 billion, but what? Three or four billion dollars. Does it get annoying? <laughs> Actually, it's it's uh, it's very humbling and very flattering. Uh, you know, I you, you know you and I have known each other a long time. I'm a guy that grew up in a small town, 31st Street, Columbus, Indiana. I had a cornfield in my backyard, and uh, uh, to be mentioned for the highest office in the land is is uh, frankly deeply humbling. But I, I really think it has more to do with the success that the people of Indiana have experienced over much of the last 10 years. And uh, so I, uh, I'll, I'll accept uh, the compliment on their behalf. I'll stay focused on their future, and we'll let my future take care of itself. Well, I promised myself I would not ask you if you were running for president, and I'll keep that. I'm going to instead ask, are you willing to commit to serving another or running for another <laughs> term as governor? There, let's see. We'll change it up a little bit. Maybe we'll catch you off. Right. That's very nice. The, uh, on this subject, and before we get into the state of the state and certainly your legislative priorities, interesting yeah. uh, profile that the Washington Post did uh, with you last month. And, they, and I, I uh, usually don't bring notes, but it said uh, that your take on what a, the, the right kind of nominee for the Republican Party in the next presidential election, a solutions conservative with a record of policy reform originating in the states, a candidate versed in foreign affairs, and someone who is relentlessly optimistic. Governor, uh, reform proposals, former six-term House member with a tenure, long tenure on the Foreign Affairs Committee, two, <laughs> two international policy speeches this year, one in Berlin, uh, and then just a few weeks back in Israel. Um, as you point out, I've known you for almost 30 years, and you're certainly optimistic. If this isn't you, who are you describing? <laughs> well, I, I actually think there's a lot of men and women uh, in our party that can fit that bill. Um, but, but, but for me, you know, what I'm looking for as, as, uh, as a member of our party and just as an American is, is not someone uh, who goes to Washington, D.C. and says, we're going to run it like we've been running states around the country, but, but rather someone that says, I'm going to go to Washington, D.C. and make it more possible uh, for people to, that are running our states to run them with more freedom and more flexibility. I honestly believe, and it's a message that I've been delivering a bit around the country, that the cure for what ails this country is going to come more from our nation's state capitals than it ever will from our nation's capital. Uh, and, and, and that's because I think when it comes to education, when it comes to health care, when it comes to transportation, 
Uh, Indiana's proving every day uh, that given the freedom and the flexibility, we can craft innovative solutions at the state level that really work for our people and create prosperity and opportunity. And so I'll, I'll continue to be a voice uh, in that debate in, in the hopes that uh, you know, whoever our party standard bearer is, that it'll be someone who sees not just a need to go and change direction in Washington, D.C., but also that looks at the success in states beginning with Indiana and says, Let, let's make it more possible for more innovation at the state level. You know, last week we had the four legislative caucus leaders here uh, for the show, and in that chair, sitting right about where you are now, was minority leader in the House, Scott Pilath, and mm -hmm. he basically said that everything you do this session, everything you say this session, and this is not a surprise to you, he's, it's been uh, clear uh, in, in his news conferences and availabilities in the past few weeks, he says, well, he will view it through the prism, and Hoosier should view it through the prism of a possible presidential bid. Is that fair? Is that unfair that he is encouraging that, hey, nothing is face value. Everything has to be viewed through this prism. You know, I, I have a lot of respect uh, for Leader Pilath and, and have a very good relationship with him and with Senator Lannon. Uh, in our first two sessions together, we worked together on a number of issues, and I'm confident we'll be able to work together uh, in this session. Look, I, uh, you know, political rhetoric is part of the process, and, and I accept that. But, uh, but I expect what people saw in our budget last week, what people heard, <coughs> excuse me, in our State of the State this week, uh, is a very bold, a very ambitious agenda that's uh, focused on education, but it's, it's really designed to seize this moment in the life of our state to drive toward a couple of very large goals. I, you know, I want, I want to see more Hoosiers going to work than ever before in our state's history before we reach our bicentennial. I want to move 100,000 kids into high-quality schools by 2020. I want to increase the number of kids uh, graduating with industry-recognized uh, uh, credentials, and, and I want to improve the health and well-being of Hoosiers. I think we can do all those things, but we have to be bold, and we have to seize this moment, and we have to be focused on the future of Indiana. Well, I do want to take those one by one as we go <coughs> throughout this discussion, but let's start with what sort of caught a lot of people yeah. in the General Assembly uh, and uh, elsewhere by surprise, and that was your call for a balanced budget amendment, which, since you mentioned uh, Scott Pilath's rhetoric, he said afterwards that uh, this was, you were throwing out cutlets of, of dripping red meat for <laughs> Iowa Republican caucus voters, and that it was a <coughs> variety Republican primary voter speech. Was the call for a balanced budget amendment <laughs> that, or is it something that you think is Indiana actually needs to right its fiscal ship? I really believe uh, Hoosier should be proud of the fiscal record that our state has crafted over much of the last 10 years. We've been able to make the hard choices, um, even in difficult times, uh, to make sure that we have honestly balanced budgets, that we're living within our means. Well, if I may, does that suggest then prove the point that Scott Pilath and others would, are making that it's unnecessary, that, that Indiana already is fiscally responsible? No, I think, I think it's a tribute uh, to men and women, frankly, in, in both political parties uh, during this season in the life of our state that we've been able to do that, even though, even though it's not technically required in our Constitution. We have, a, as you know well, we have a prohibition on debt in our Indiana Constitution that goes back uh, to the last century and before, and um, uh, that... Uh, uh, but, but there's no actual requirement that we balance the budget, that the, that the, you know, that the outgo meet the income. And uh, there's 43 states that have that requirement in their state constitution. Another half a dozen or so have it in law. And, and I think with strong conservative majorities uh, in the House and in the Senate, uh, I think the time has come for us to enshrine that principle for future generations 
in the Constitution of the state of Indiana. It's, I think it, it, would be a, uh, it would be a fitting way for us to take the legacy of strong fiscal leadership uh, that's taken place at the close of our second century and, and uh, reassure Hoosiers uh, that in our third century we'll continue uh, to be uh, a strong, strong leader when it comes to fiscal responsibility. When you mentioned the leadership, the Republican leadership, supermajorities, of course, uh, in both the House and Senate, and yet you look at what Senator uh, David Long, President Pro Tem of the Senate, said this week and what Brian Bosma, House Speaker, said. It's not that they rejected the proposal, but one said, Brian Bosma said it was sort of a footnote in the speech, and, and David Long said, well, it's, it needs to be a minimalist approach to this. How much political capital are you willing to invest this session in starting the process? Obviously, it's a multi-year, multi-step process in Indiana, amending the Constitution. Is it a footnote, or is this a priority for you? Well, I, I was very grateful uh, that the President, pro tem of the Senate, and the Speaker of the House both expressed support uh, for moving a balanced budget amendment in this session. Uh, and uh, we've been crafting some language. We look forward to working with members of the General Assembly uh, to accomplish that. But let me, let me agree and say this will be an education session. Um, I, I think that, uh, uh, that there will be very broad support in the General Assembly for moving a balanced budget amendment. We have to move it in successive sessions before we send it to the people of Indiana for approval. Uh, but I want to begin that process in this session, but, uh, but make no mistake about it, I think, I think the, the heavy lifting in this session will be uh, on education. I want to, I want to invest in, in uh, our traditional K-12 schools. I want to strengthen our charter schools. I want to expand educational choice opportunities, and all with the goal of moving 100,000 more kids uh, into be or better schools by the end of this decade. And I, that did catch my attention, the, the, that figure. Is it by definition that those individuals, those students, are going to, uh, well, let's say, non-traditional public schools, i.e., are they public school uh, charters that you're talking about, or is it through the voucher program, or could the schools, the existing schools, improve to the point that they qualify for funneling through that 100000 I mean, I'm, it, does it have to be either or? Yeah. Maybe my well, question you, is well, uh, you, you've got it awkward. On the, but you, you've got it on the last point, and that is... Um, what I, what I want to do in the agenda that you saw our administration lay out, both in our budget and in my State of the State address, is really uh, we want to flood the field. And kind of like the Colts are going to do against the Patriots this weekend. You know, we, we, we want an all of the Or above. depending on when people watch this, change the verb tense. What they did this past weekend. <laughs> right, yeah. what they did, right, whenever uh, they watch this. Let me, let me tell you, um, you know, I, I'm, we're calling for $200 million more for our traditional K-12 schools. I want, to, I want to see more dollars in the classroom. I want to pay good teachers more. I want to build on the performance bonuses that allowed us to distribute $30 million uh, to teachers in 1,300 schools last December. I also want to raise the financial foundation under our public charter schools so more communities can invite public charter school innovation into their communities. Um, and I also want to, you know, I want to lift the cap on, on our educational choice program. But, but I, I, to be honest with you, I'm, I, what, what I want to do is provide a whole range of resources and options and innovation. But the objective is going to be to see 100,000 more kids in B or better schools, whether they're traditional K-12, whether they're public charter schools, or whether they're private voucher schools by the year 2020. Is $200 million in additional funding enough? And I say that because, of course, people who watch the process closely know that as Indiana was struggling to recover from the hard times of the recession, there were situations where your administration had to 
draw a line on spending. And some right. dollars that were allocated had to stay within the state coffers and not go to the schools. So some sure. would say this is just getting back either to the starting point or maybe not even getting back to the starting point. Is that, what do you say to that? Well, this is more state dollars than we'll have ever spent on, on uh, K-12 education uh, in Indiana. Uh, and uh, but I also think it's fiscally responsible. I, I don't I don't think the state government's budget should grow any faster than the family budgets of the people of Indiana. So our overall spending uh, was below the average rate of inflation of the last 10 years. Uh, but this is a significant increase, and uh, I'm looking very much forward to working with members of the General Assembly as they look at the funding formula uh, and they look at a broad range of the policy options that that we're advancing. But again. You know, what, what I've said for years is it's about funding excellence. Uh, it's about really being neutral on, on what the classrooms are. If they're traditional K-12 schools where my wife spent half her career, whether they're, whether they're charter schools or whether they're private schools, we, we just want the dollars to go to the places that are going to work best for our kids and best for Hoosiers. Well, Democratic leadership in the, the House and Senate have suggested that they're all for raising base funding for education, but... Uh, they'd like to see, uh, at least I'll go back to Scott Pilath, uh, he mentioned last week, three pots of money, one for traditional K through 12, one for the charter school initiative and program, funding of those institutions, and then another pot of money for the voucher program. I guess the idea being that uh, when, you draw, when you have one pot of money, and if by definition if charter schools are getting more, and if the voucher program is getting more, does that mean uh, the implication is that traditional K through 12 public schools are getting less? What about this notion of breaking it up into three distinct pots of money so that there's no attempt, no difficulty following where the, the P is under the shelves? Well, I think it's important that we continue in the framework that we have today, which is um, keeping it all under and, one. And, I, and, and that we stay focused on the kids and on the parents. Um, and, um, and and again, you know, I, I mentioned wasn't in my speech, but I not only mentioned that my wife is a career school teacher, but my, my father-in-law was the Indiana State Teacher of the Year uh, back well, you in the 1980s. It. In case you, I threw that in. case in. you didn't know your father, yeah, you were a good son-in-law. You I, did well, I, it. I, I scored, for you. I scored a few points. That, uh, uh, that might but, get you. So, you know, my wife's family is a family of educators. Uh, we've got a lot of great teachers in Indiana, great teachers in our public schools, in our public charter, in our private schools. What I want to make sure is that, that, um, that, that, we're, that the resources are flowing into the classrooms on an increasing basis that, that we're rewarding high-performing schools, high-performing teachers. I mean, I, you know, I said last week, I mean, if you want more good teachers, well, <clears throat> pay good teachers more. Uh, and that's what our performance funding and our bonus structure is about. And that's, that's one of the reasons why we want to promote a, an initiative called Freedom to Teach, which would allow schools and school systems to actually kind of step out of the, the, the routine regulations of the state so that they could redirect resources back into the classrooms, back into teacher salaries. Of course, every session in a way is the education session. I've been around since, I think, 1988, the first session. Bob Orr was saying, you know, that's, this is my focus, and I think every governor since. Uh, sounds as if you're, you're very much uh, committed, and you think this truly has the opportunity to be a, uniquely an education session yeah. uh, for the, the, the reasons you mentioned. Well, I believe that. And, and, uh, and I, I would say, you know, you've been, you've been following this for a while. So, but for me, when I was first elected, uh, my first session, I thought we needed to focus on, on building on the momentum we had to really get the economy moving again. That was what my focus was on what, what would become the largest state tax cut 
in Indiana history. I mean, we, when, when I was elected, unemployment was over 8%. I thought it was important uh, that we focus uh, on, on lowering the tax burden on individuals, on businesses. We were able to do that um, in our short session. We were able to bring about some innovations in terms of local tax reform, as well as the, our, our historic step of creating a pre-K pilot program. But now that our economy is moving, now that we have these initiatives going, I think, I think now is the time for us to focus on education. And something we haven't mentioned uh, on the program yet is, is uh, I, I also believe a centerpiece of, of this legislative session needs to be to really put, uh, put resources and innovation behind making career and vocational education a priority in every high school again. The Energy Academy that I called out is a great example of that. Uh, where we're bringing businesses together with our local schools to create better career education pathways for our kids. This is an idea whose time has come, and, and I'm, I'm determined, along with the other initiatives that we suggested, to make sure that that's a centerpiece of this agenda as well. And you spelled out the initiatives and the, the tactical moves, if you will, this session. And I do, we'll, go, we'll move on to other things, but one more question on education. What, as you look into the future, what is educational nirvana for you? I mean, when is it... When is it done? When does, the, when does you say this project is done, Indiana schools look like I want them to look? Is that going to be a 50-50 split between, you know, uh, private voucher-supported schools and charter schools, 50 percent? I mean, what, what does it look like when you're done? I just want to, I want every child in Indiana to have access to a world-class education, period. And to be honest, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm confident that a world-class education is available in our traditional K-12 schools. It's also available in public charter school innovation. It's also available in a lot of the great private schools that we have, that, we, that we've opened doors of opportunities to disadvantage kids through our voucher program. Um, but th that really is the aim. But for me, that, that goal of 2020, that's not when we're done. But I, I'm just, as I said the other night, you know, my, my belief in, in, in executive leadership begins with articulate a goal, offer specific ways to get there, but remain open to other ideas, and frankly, coming from both sides of the aisle and, and all across the, the spectrum for how to get there. And, uh, you know, much in the way that we were able to pass the tax relief we passed in my first session, we had a proposal, but we listened to others, and we ended up coming together with something that was better, I thought, than what we proposed. My, what, what I'm going to be relentless about um, is, is the focus on on you know, waking up in the fall of 2020 and seeing 100,000 more Indiana kids in beer better schools. That, that will be measurable progress, and with more than 100,000 kids today um, in underperforming or failing schools. That, that's the right number to start with, but the work will never be done. Well, education, of course, makes up, as we, as we hear, it seems every time we read a story about the budget, makes up 50% or so of state spending, right. and it's probably accounted for 50% of our allotted time for this discussion. It's clearly important, seeing uh, as it is, uh, as you say, the education session, but it's by no means the only thing on your agenda, by no means the only thing you touched on the other evening in your State of the State address. Another big ticket item, road construction, infrastructure, right. repair, your own Department of Transportation is basically waving a red flag saying, uh, what's the figure, 30% uh, of some thereabouts of bridges and and existing bridges and roadways are, uh, to put it mildly, not very good. Uh, that's something you want to see change this session, additional I do. funding? I, I, I do. And, and, you know, we called for a significant investment um, in infrastructure uh, in this budget year. It's not something that's been talked about a lot, but one of the, one of the ways that we can use the fiscal strength that we have is by investing not only 
in a balanced budget and education, innovation, and public safety and all the rest, but making sure that, that if we're going to say we're the crossroads of America, that we have the roads to back it up. Uh, maintenance is a part of that. You've got to take care of what you've got. You also got to finish what you started. We've got some major infrastructure projects that are out there that still need to be finished. But one of the things I'm very, very pleased with, and, and uh, our lieutenant governor has done a great job uh, in this area, is uh, we brought together um, experts from across the state of Indiana in the last year to really think about what should our infrastructure look like in the next 50 years. I mean, other than having the best people in the world in Indiana, our second greatest asset is our location. Uh, and so we brought together a lot of, uh, a lot of very bright people, in, uh, not only in the infrastructure industry, but also in logistics and other businesses to say, um, what should our infrastructure look like in the next 50 years to maximize the growth opportunities and jobs opportunities for Hoosiers? You know, this is not part of your agenda by any stretch, but it is uh, the topic I'm going to bring up here is a, an important fiscal policy issue for a lot of people who deal with budgets across the state, municipal level and elsewhere, and that is revenue derived from the casino and gaming industry in this state. Those roads that you lauded uh, are taking many uh, Hoosiers elsewhere. The people who used to gamble here when uh, Indiana had something of a Midwest monopoly, now you have uh, casino gaming in adjacent states, and Indiana's uh, casinos are struggling, they would tell you, and the rev and which people may say, so what? But that is, Indiana's uh, budget formulators have come to rely fairly significantly on those dollars, those tax dollars. Are you prepared to sign, tolerate, uh, put up with significant changes this session uh, to shore up the gaming industry? And by that I mean moving boats on shore, uh, live uh, dealers at tables, uh, willing to consider? Well, I, I don't want to. I don't want to prejudge any. Uh, any proposal until I've seen it, but people know it's. it's uh, I'm not interested in expanding gaming in the state of Indiana. You said that, but what's the, the definition of expansion? Certainly uh, differs from right. depending on whom you ask. I mean, we look. You know, 1988, we passed a referendum in this state, and and the, this this season in the life of our state began first with the lottery, and then it's it's grown since then. And and frankly, these enterprises have been you know responsible corporate citizens, uh, and and valued parts of communities around the state of Indiana. And um, uh, I, I don't want to, I don't want to foreclose if there are, are um, uh, if there are changes that want to be suggested that will, will impact their business operation. But I, I think it's also important to know that we, we ought to be building um, not, not only the, 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 the future of Indiana's state budget, but the future of a growing economy. Uh, on, on the foundations of our economy, which are manufacturing and life sciences and logistics and agriculture and high tech. Uh, I, you know, the focus of our administration is going to be on advancing the kind of reforms that will see those businesses grow, and relatedly, the revenues to the state government's coffers will grow. To some extent, as, as neighboring states have, have entered into this uh, gaming uh, industry, the market will have its effect, and so my focus is going to be on growing the broader Indiana economy, um, it, it's, I've made it very clear to people, I'm not interested in expanding access to gaming in the state of Indiana, but uh, we'll, we'll keep an open mind if there are uh, recommendations for business changes that don't expand gaming, but may allow these uh, companies to, uh, to, to stand on, a, on, a, on a, a more sure footing. And we're rapidly running out of time, unfortunately. If this were a game show, I'd say this is the lightning round. So very quickly, if you would, <laughs> the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Some members of your party say that in light of court decisions concerning same-sex marriage, 
that the small businesses need to be able to say, I'm uncomfortable with this clientele, same-sex marriage clientele. They want to provide that protection, yay or nay? Well, I haven't seen any language yet of any legislation, but I, I strongly support the freedom of religion and the freedom of expression. Generally supported that. Alcohol sales on Sunday. I told you this is a lightning round. We're going to go. Are you open to that? This is the business community. The chamber says this may be the year. Yes? Well, again, uh, you know, not on our agenda, but uh, if it makes it to our desk, we'll, we'll give it a fair look. As long as we're doing these kind of hot-button issues. You haven't medical, asked me about the Colts yet. Medical marijuana. <laughs> have the same thing. It's not on your agenda, certainly, but there, there seems to be a popular support um, for that. Um, uh, well, I, I don't support legalization of, of marijuana in the state of Indiana. And I think, uh, uh, and, and I know you're, you're speaking about it in a, in a specific aspect, but uh, I think a number of states that have gone that direction just in recent years are already seeing some of the 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 negative effects of that, and uh, I think Indiana would do well to continue to stand stand firm uh, on uh, on opposing legalization of marijuana, and I certainly will. All right, we're out of time, but all right, in deference to you, yep. say what you want to say about the Colts. Uh, well, I, uh, look, I, uh, I'm, I'm very confident uh, uh, the Colts are going to mop the floor with the Patriots this weekend. I, I, uh, we've been doing a little bit of trash talk with the new governor of Massachusetts, he called me shortly after the Broncos game, and uh, we have a gentleman's wager uh, on the game. I'll, and uh, I'm looking forward to being there to see the Colts win the AFC championship and uh, head to the Is Super Bowl. Is that an expansion of gaming, the gambling that you just talked about? <laughs> I wonder. Uh, we'll, we'll get, it's I'll a gentleman's your, wager. Say by the, uh, yeah. by the <laughs> Governor, thank you. Again, my guest has been Indiana's 50th governor, Republican Mike Pence. Education reform is about more than funding. It's about who calls the shots. That's on the next Indiana Lawmakers. For more information, episode streams, and extra content, visit us on the web at wfyi.org lawmakers. Well, that concludes another edition of Indiana Lawmakers. I'm John Schwannis, and on behalf of WFYI Public Media and Indiana's other public broadcasting stations, I thank you for tuning in. Take a moment to go to WFYI.org to see web exclusives with your legislators on the best advice they ever received. We'll add new clips every week. I invite you to join us again at the same time next week. Until then, take care. The idea economy is here at the Purdue Research Park. A powerful economic engine and a technology conduit from Chicago to Louisville. Purdue Research Park, the idea economy is here.